How uncomfortable are you right now, Dylan? Probably. I, I don't know why we're still going. <laughs> okay, see, now i got to look it up, though, because is it mostly pee? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in other news, Dylan had chicken for dinner. I it wasn't very good, apparently. About, no, it's not what I said, but I also don't want to talk about food right now, either. <laughs> His exact words were, my chicken was shit. <laughs> That's close enough. <laughs> oh, Lord. You like that. What, did you just cook it bad, or... Again, chicken was not bad. I literally <laughs> said I just preferred the rice. Oh, okay. all right. <laughs> he said my chicken was dog shit. My rice God, was like heavenly. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I said the chicken was adequate. I liked the rice better. <laughs> Everyone knows the adequate is code for dog shit, bro. I'm just. Really digging the rice, man. So I'm all about. What did you uh, What did you do to the rice that made it so special? <laughs> I cooked it with love. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no! It was just like uh, some soy sauce and some spices and whatnot. Oh, and uh, after uh, getting it how I wanted to, fried it up in a pan a little bit, and it was delish. Ooh, okay, mm, tasty. Right. Wait, hang on. So you cooked the rice and then added like soy sauce, spice and stuff like that. And then you fried it on top of that? Yep. So normally I wouldn't do that because normally like if I'm going to make true fried rice, I'll cool my rice and then just fry it after that. But this one was more just experimenting and it worked out. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I've tried that before. Like I've tried making fried rice uh, and not um, not letting it sit like over at, at least overnight. And... Um, it never turns out as good. Yeah, it's not like... I wouldn't even consider it fried rice. I don't know what I did to it. It just <laughs> was good. I don't even... I got to try it again, too, because it's the first time I did it like that. Yeah. That I'll good. give you the recipe. Yeah, I like cooking. I was talking about that today, actually. Dude, cooking is good. You were. I like cooking. I was in that stream. You were. For like five minutes. You were listening. Yeah, because the Twitch app is fucking garbage for some reason. Uh, mine works. On on iPhone? Mine works like shit, yes, on iPhone. You have like a uh, iPhone 5C? Well, it probably <laughs> has a lot to do with my connection at work, too. Because everybody's connection in there is fucking garbage. So That's probably what it is. But, I, I mean, I can listen to you if I switch it up to audio only, but that's it. He got that, that iPhone, like... Fucking three. three. I actually do have an iPhone 3. But, okay, well, uh, I am I guess I'm ready when, to get started whenever you fellows are. Yeah. Okay, as long as we're done talking about pussy juice and chicken. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm done. Are you guys done? I was done the moment it left your mouth. <laughs> Lord.
Jesus. Welcome to another episode. On a personal level, I <laughs> hate you. What the shit? <laughs> Were you waiting for the scream? Yeah. And then I even had my earphones off. <laughs> just came then I hear your fucking TED talk. <laughs> uh, my TED talk in which I talk about pussy juice and chicken. Oh my God, I just got my name. <laughs> I don't like it. You don't like it? <laughs> It kind of sounds like a pretty good OnlyFans page, honestly. Oh, my God. You, uh, you can't look me in the face and tell me that's not catchy. Oh, I'm not even looking you OnlyFans.com slash pussy juice and chicken. <laughs> oh, no. is, that the, is that the title? I feel like that's the title. Uh, I mean, it can be if we want it to be. I don't know. It depends um, on if anything funnier is said for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I guess so. Um, no, uh, yeah, welcome everyone. You are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Bop. We have a great show for you today. We are going to be talking about some video game art, uh, namely art design. Uh, but we're also going to be talking a little bit about some movies that we've watched recently. Um, some manga that we have read, you know, stuff like that. And even games that we played. Guys, 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 guys I, I played games. Nice. I, Look I at played you. games this week. I feel proud of myself. The host of a gaming podcast finally plays games. I know, right? A revelation. Uh, but all of that alongside your regularly scheduled uh, picks of the week. I am, of course, your host, the one and only... Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan, 2D Sprite Martin, and Austin, give me more Polygon Stevens. Uh, how's it going, fellas? It's going great. Are we, are you going to save the new names that we were given until next week's little quotation introductions? Uh, what do you mean by new names? Well, no. The ones that we were just texted. Oh, the ones that we were told that we needed to say on on air? Yes. Those? Um, Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, Because we don't know what yours was. I just texted both of you. Yeah, I definitely know what mine was now. (laughs) Oh. Um, That's what I was saying would be a great OnlyFans page name. Oh, okay. I thought we were still talking about... Uh, the pussy juice and chicken. I but, uh, am going to make a tally of how many times you say that this episode. Because <laughs> I think you're at like six so far. I'm probably at like six so far. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Those are real sexual. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we oh, start, uh, what do you, go ahead, Austin. That's real sexual. Like, we don't have cum talk every fucking episode. I don't um, think we do. We don't? <laughs> oh, yeah, she did send them to me. <sighs> oh, Lord. I will admit, the last few episodes have been uh, pretty devoid of uh, degenerative, uh, explicit sexual talk. Um, they were. So now we got to ramp it up. No. Get back to our roots. Um, no, yeah. Uh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> Uh, I'm a good Christian boy. Okay. And um, I don't know why I just said that. What, Christians don't have sex? No, they don't. 
Okay. Ever. <laughs> okay. Ever. Cool. <laughs> they never have sex ever. Nope. Um, uh, it's a sin. <laughs> it is a, it is a sin in the eyes of God. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, we got so derailed so quickly. Is that why Christian men are so angry? Uh, Christian men have sex. Have you not seen the Mormons? Wait, hang on. Mormons aren't Christians. No, what am I saying? no, they are not. I was going to say uh, Mormons have tons of fucking kids. What's the what's the Christian people that have tons of kids? Uh, Christians. That's it. Uh, I, I know Pentecostals <laughs> are pretty bad about it. Uh, I, I don't know. Or Here's, to frankly care. Do you, I guess, if you want to fuck like bunny rabbits, go ahead. If yeah. you don't, fucking fine by me also. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, how you boys doing? Great. Uh, I've been better. <laughs> Is that right, Dylan Dunkin' Dem Nuts, Martin? <laughs> I'm going to get him in there. I've been better. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, Dylan, you're usually all for the cum talk. That's what's. That's what I think is weird. But that's now you're one of the personalities. Like... <laughs> I think it's because he didn't come up with it. Oh, okay. That's what it is. <laughs> if I did, it would have been a lot more creative than what we were given. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Okay. Well, uh, listen, guys, I watched... Just last night, the French Dispatch. Mm. Um, are either of you aware of what uh, this movie is or who it's by or anything like that? Not a clue. I've never heard of it. Okay. So this is the new Wes Anderson film. Uh, Wes Anderson being the guy behind films such as Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, um, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, you know, uh, the... Grand Budapest Hotel, those sorts of movies. All right, so this is his new one. And um, when it uh, came out, uh, or when it was being made or whatever, it was uh, talked about as being like a love letter to journalists and stuff like that. And um, I really like uh, Wes Anderson a lot. I really, in particular, love his style. Um, I think that he has a style that is, uh, very distinct and very, um, um, different. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in his movies. That's very like symmetrical. He's a fan of these like long panning. Well, uh, I wouldn't say panning more like tracking shots. He's a big fan of tracking shots. Uh, he has these whip pans that are just, they're always used for comedic effect and they're really funny. Um, and, and he uses, uh, zooms in comedy a lot also. Uh, and I'm just, I'm a real big fan of his filmmaking. Uh, I have pretty much loved all of his movies. Um, I'm not as in love with like bottle rocket or the Isle of dogs, uh, as most of his other movies. And I hate to say this, but this one kind of falls in that same vein for me. Uh, I remember when this premiered at Cannes earlier this year, there was like uh, tweets and articles that I, I saw where it was like, 
Wes Anderson and and company receive a you know nineteen minute standing ovation after French Dispatch or whatever. And I don't know what movie those people saw, but this is not was not worthy of a nineteen minute standing ovation in my opinion. Um, this is a good fun time that has a lot of really. Uh, like fun and creative segments um, and some really fantastic like production design. Like uh, one of the things that I think a lot of people talk about with Wes Anderson's work in particular is that it almost feels like it's uh, like, like a boy playing with like miniatures or Legos or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's creating every scene and, and stuff like that. And in almost every way, this movie feels the exact same, but like with added stuff that I don't think I've ever really seen out of a Wes Anderson movie before. Like there are animated sequences in here that I was kind of blown away by. Um, I was like, I didn't expect this. Um, and, uh, most of his movies are rated R, but most of the time that's for stuff like language. And this movie, the sort of like opening segment, so to speak, is just full of nudity. And I was, again, not expecting it. Um, but uh, yeah, the the thing that I think really... I took away more than anything is that this one felt a lot more like style over substance and almost like him taking the wrong West uh, lessons away from the grand Budapest hotel. Uh, So this one is more or less set up as like a film version of articles from like the New Yorker. Um, And so it is three separate stories kind of bookended by a, um, like introduction to what the French dispatch is fall. And then it ends with like an obituary of the, uh, editor in chief. And I thought that that was like a clever framing device. Uh, and I, I think that some of the themes that are expressed within the stories themselves are pretty good, but I also kind of feel like um, the thing would have done much better if it was more of a cohesive whole as opposed to like so like short films almost. Um, it's not to say that they were bad or anything like that. Just that like, I think Wes Anderson's best work has come from his really, uh, well-documented like daddy issues. Um, and I think that the, the stuff that he mines from those issues in particular have created like a rich tapestry of like really nice, well-told stories. And this just by comparison kind of falls flat. Um, 
that's not to say that it's not fun because there are a lot of fun segments in here. And again, I think the filmmaking is kind of a delight, uh, but it's just as a whole, the experience did not leave me as satisfied as other Wes Anderson films has. And that was kind of a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, if you're looking for that sort of like almost art house style thing, uh, go check it out. It's uh, in a very limited capacity around us. I think there's only two theaters showing it. Um, and one of them uh, is not showing it after tomorrow. But uh, if you get a chance, um, I say go go check it out. At the very least, it's um, something you won't see in uh, in movie theaters on a regular basis. So why is it completely stacked with just like this A-list roster of actors and actresses? Uh, because that's what Wes Anderson does. Um, he just gets incredible talent uh, and has them do kind of... Uh, I don't want to say goofy shit, but that's, I mean, that's kind of what it is. He just kind of like gets these really, really great actors and is like, Hey, uh, come work with me. We're going to make something fun. And then they go out and do it. Yeah, I can tell man. Cause that, I, I looked it up cause it sounded cool. And then I started looking through IMDB about who's in the movie and just one after another, I was like, damn. And it just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous, dude. Like, uh, you've got uh, Timothy Chalamet, you've got um, uh, Leah Sado, you've got uh, fucking, I, I mean, Christoph Waltz, you've got Benicio Del Toro. Bill uh, Murray. Bill Murray, Adrian Brody. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. Uh, Tilda Swinton's in here, and she's always great. Like F- Fucking Owen Wilson and Henry Winkler. Yeah, I, I like I'm telling you, it, like, it's fucking star-studded cast. Um, and all Crazy of them man. are really Jeffrey great. Wright. Love Jeffrey Wright. I don't remember him in that. That's weird. Apparently he played someone named Roebuck. Roebuck, Roebuck. Interesting. Also from the looks of it, he was the only black character. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey Wright. I thought you said Jeffrey Rush. And I was. Oh, like, no, 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 no. Okay. I understand now. Yeah, no, yeah, he is, he is, uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, I guess it was real confusing to say he's the only black actor, and then you're like, Jeffrey Rush is not black. Yeah, I was like, Jeffrey Rush is, is white, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm colorblind. Uh, yeah, uh, if you can't see it in theaters, I don't know, rent it. It's, it's a fun time. Um, Austin, you've been reading lots of manga. Yeah. Um, uh, I've actually been reading more manga than I have been watching anime for, honestly, probably the last month now. Mm-hmm. Um, what started this kick was the season two for Demon Slayer was supposed to come out. And first three episodes came out. I was like, oh, fuck, dope. You know, next season. I fucking love Demon Slayer. And then it ended up just being a recap of the uh, movie. And I was like, okay, well, that's definitely not what I'm here for. And started reading the manga because I I had already read a little bit of the manga up to where the anime stopped because I was like, okay, I don't want to read any further. I don't want to spoil myself. But like I got so hyped for season two just for the first couple of episodes, not to be really anything new, just stuff we've seen so far. I was like, no, fuck that. I'm just going to read the manga. 
And so I finished it in a day. I read over 100 chapters in a day in a 24-hour time frame. Jesus. And I fucking loved every second of it. Of it. Demon Slayer is single-handedly probably the best shonen that's come out in the last 10 years that, that I've read slash watched. And I fucking love it. I can't wait for that show to finish. There's so many just amazing, heartfelt fucking scenes that I can't wait to see animated. And there's a few that I don't want to see animated because I'm going to cry like a little bitch. Demon Slayer is sad as fuck. It's depressing. (laughs) But it's fucking awesome. I'm not going to talk about the ending to that because it's an ongoing show and it's like one of the most hyped shonen animes that's ongoing right now. So I'm not going to fucking be a dick and spoil that shit for anybody. Um, but yeah, it, it got me on kind of like a manga kick. Um, I've made a whole list of things I want to read. I've been keeping up with my hero, uh, every Sunday as it launches. I've been reading Boruto, uh, once a month as it launches. Um, I've got Chainsaw Man on the list. I want to get to that before the, uh, anime adaptation launches. I think it, think the anime adaptation for that was set for like December of this year or maybe early next year. Um, mm. something like that. Um, but Mostly, I've started reading Naruto because I've seen Naruto all the way through, but I've never read it. And I started reading it yesterday. I am on chapter 54. And there is so much more to the manga that the anime just does not even attempt to fucking tell. Like, it, it, all, all the things that are thrown at you in the first uh, two or three arcs alone are not really explained all that well. Not, I mean, they are, but not as in-depth as they are in the manga. Um, like, for example, uh, like the, for the, in the first season of the original Naruto, it, it kind of like foreshadows that Kakashi knows a little bit more Nar- about Naruto than what he kind of lets on. Um, but then chapter three of the manga very clearly shows that Kakashi's teacher was Naruto's dad. And he knows a lot more about that motherfucker than he's going to let on. Um, but it's been great. I'm, as far as Naruto goes, I think I'm in the tuning um, <clears throat> uh, exam arc uh, for either of you, if either of you remember that shit or not. But it's great. It's fucking rad. I, I, I hate, like... I hate saying that I enjoy reading manga more than I enjoy watching the anime because I feel like that makes me sound super fucking pretentious and I don't mean it that way at all. Um, like, I still think the anime is great if that's what you want to do, but I, at this point, dude, I'm all about the fucking manga. I'm going to read the manga way before I even try to start watching the anime. Um, and sh- the Shonen Jump app has been fantastic. Uh, it's $1.99 a month to read every Shonen Jump uh, manga that's ever been serialized and it's fucking awesome they have uh, like they have naruto all the way through they have all 1200 chapters of fucking one piece uh i attempted to read that i got to like chapter five and i was like nope i'm out i can't do this this is gonna take way too much time and i'm out um but it's been great i'm excited to to finish naruto and hopefully get on to some of the newer stuff like i really want to fucking read chainsaw man i want to read jujutsu kaisen um, I, I want I really want to go back and read the original Yu-Gi-Oh manga because it's way, way fucking darker than what the show was allowed to get away with portraying. So that I'm excited to get into that one, but yeah, it's been great. Go read some manga. It's cheap. It's fun. Very did, cool. Did you see the TikTok I sent you of the little fan thing? 
Oh uh, yes, I did. I dude, I want every time I see that thing on TikTok, I want to fucking buy one every time. Oh, so it's like actually. Oh, so it's bad that I sent it to you because you're already <laughs> seeing it, and then I just sent it to you, so it's even worse. Now it's like I'm in on it. I because uh, when you sent it to me, I I, I looked it up. You know, the thing's like two hundred and fifty dollars, bro. For the fan? Yeah, for the fan. So to explain what we're talking about, Austin is a huge collector of uh, anime figures, and I saw Kitty things that. Hey, I have um, male figures too. It's not just women. I have male figures too. And <laughs> I was scrolling through TikTok today and I saw essentially it's, it looks like a fan, but the fan like lights up in the middle and it creates different. I'm not going to say scenes, but different imagery as the fan is spinning, like butterflies flying or soccer blossoms floating away or something. And it's all colorful. It's LED. But the little anime figure was standing in front of the fan, so it was it looked really cool with that as the backdrop. It was just thematic, and it was mm-hmm. awesome. And I was like, hey, Austin might like this. And apparently, it's already been stalking him it has. on TikTok. <laughs> it pops up on my For You page at least once a day. I am so sorry because it popped up in your DMs today. So You made oops. my algorithm worse. Yeah, because <laughs> you actually had to click it. And I watched oh, it all the way through like I do every Hell time. Hell yeah. I'm sorry. And the it's cool, too, because the uh, I'm, I'm assumed from what I can gather, uh, that fan is programmable. Because, That's uh, pretty sick. I've seen people on Reddit use it to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh-oh. Like, they, oh. like the fan spins and then like the creature actually shows up in the fan. That's the last thing you needed. And I was like, imagine, uh, imagine being a Yu-Gi-Oh player and spending way too much money buying so many of those to use at a time. That sounds atrocious. But That's, also, that sounds super fucking rad. Yeah, I don't know, man. For your for your bank account, that's game over. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, game over, man. It, it, it's a cool concept, too, but like $250? I don't know about that. Well... If I ever you know catch that shit on sale, I'm buying it. You know where it's not game over? Where? Glory holes, where every hole in one mm-hmm. comes with a free jalapeno popper from Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our uh, our lawyer, Jeffrey, for uh, getting us that sponsorship with uh, yep. Chili's Glory Holes. I told him I would do it. And it's there. And it's there. Been waiting a whole week on that. <laughs> he got what he wanted. <laughs> oh, my God. But that itself came from uh, us streaming Dead by Daylight last week. Ooh. And we had a fucking rad time with it. We had Justin in your stream, and then we had Jeffrey in mine. Can you call it, it a stream on my end? No, yours was more <laughs> like uh, stop motion. <laughs> Uh, but it was a lot of fun though. And it was, it was made even more fun by the people that came by from the discord and had a good chat with us. Jeffrey was cracking me up the whole time. Uh, I thought he was Justin (laughs) for like the first 15 minutes because I was lost in translation because I thought that Josh had told me that, uh, what's his name? Zisu was Justin Ruiz. And I was like, Oh, Hey Justin, thanks for coming to chat. Turns out. Justin just stops by my channel and doesn't say shit. 
I saw that happen today. I was like, oh, hey, let me just take a look at my viewer list. And I saw JT Ruiz. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I want to wait till the podcast. I want to <laughs> give him the chance to say something in my chat. And he never fucking did. So it's fine. I appreciate the view. You know, that's great. I would l- have loved to have interacted. But uh, it's all good, man. It's all yeah, the, good because I'm having fun. The stream looked fun. Looked like you got uh, Didn't fun. you say you didn't have any video and you were just listening to it? Uh, no, not that stream. The stream you guys were doing last week, I was watching. Oh, understandable. Okay. Yeah, that one I was yeah. watching because I was at home and had an actual decent cell service. Yeah, so, that one, uh, cool. we went for a while, man. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. It. I watched for like a whole 45 seconds. It was fucking eventful, man. I'm having a lot of fun with it just because when I do stream now, I don't, I really haven't done anything but Dead by Daylight and fucking have fun with it every single time josh and i played a little bit today again yep i'm i it's making me feel things like i'm just having having a good time with josh josh is hand holding me yes well not so much warm but it's making me feel feelings um but we get to talk about that later about dead by daylight we do get to talk about that later and then maybe even on another episode Oh, oh, he's he's pimping me out, fellas. I'm I'm teasing, cock teasing, but not the kind of tease that makes squirt juice. <laughs> juice teasing. Jesus. Yep. Christ. What is that for? Uh, no, because he has to say and chicken too. I think he said chicken. Did you say chicken? Yeah, I said chicken. Okay, so that's seven. Oh, that's. Or it's seven. Anyway, what is happening? <laughs> You started this. I did start this. You are correct. Uh, and I feel bad for it. Um, you should. Well, uh, yeah. So the last thing before we get into our topic of the show, I wanted to talk about the new movie from Edgar Wright. Uh, it is called Last Night in Soho. Um, and uh, I went and saw it on Friday night. As part of, oh, hey, uh, real quick little update, fellas. Uh, I actually uh, was able to complete the 31 Days of Halloween Challenge. Hey. Look at you. Yeah. It's finally happened. It finally happened. I was super excited about it. That Um, is fucking rad, man. Is that the first time? That is the first time, uh, yeah, ever. Damn. That's crazy. Yep, I've uh, been attempting it for five or six years now, uh, and I've never made it more than, like, uh, probably 20-ish days. Damn. Um, Hot damn. Yep. And see, that's even more infuriating, because at that point, you're in the home stretch. Yeah, things just always, like, ended up getting in the way of, like, what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what exactly but like just i i know that like in the past like things have just like been fucked um but uh yeah so uh, one of the last ones that i saw was uh last night in soho and this is uh i don't want to say the first proper horror film from uh uh edgar wright because you know he did do um, Shaun of the Dead. And even though that's a horror comedy, there are lots of things in there that are v- 
definitely very much horror. Um, and uh, I wouldn't want to like discount that. Uh, but this one is like, is like not a comedy at all. Uh, this one's very much a very straight laced horror movie that uh, takes itself pretty seriously. Um, and I really kind of loved this movie. Uh, I don't think that it is perfect. Unfortunately, there are some things that like I definitely didn't like. Um, and I think that really kind of cost it like, um, like an excellent grade in my mind. Um, but the movie is really just gorgeous to look at. I, Edgar Wright is another person whose style I am just in love with. Uh, like I love the way that he has his editing done. Um, I don't know if he works with the same editor all the time, but whoever edits his stuff, uh, there's a very distinct feel with the way that transitions will happen or like, uh, cutting from like different scene to different scene. Like there's a way that he makes the like time pass on screen and you can tell that time is passing, if that makes sense. Um, and just the visual flair of everything is in this movie in particular, I think is possibly the best stuff that he's ever done. Um, I don't know. That's, I think kind of subjective, but I, I really, really loved the way that this movie looked. Um, so with that all said, th the stuff that really, I think bothers me the most about this movie isn't necessarily the, um, the execution. Uh, it's more the, the writing. I think that the, the writing in this movie in a couple of places, um, leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, like, so the, the whole movie is about this girl who is suffering from some sort of mental illness where she, uh, sees her dead mom. Um, and so that's kind of like in the background of the story, which I think kind of immediately sets it off as something that is like, um, something that is at the, at the back of your mind. And also at the same time, kind of doesn't have anything to do with the plot in a way like it does in kind of like, I guess, casting doubt in what's going on. But like it literally is shown, I think twice in the entire movie, once at the very beginning and once at the very end. And it was one of those things that I was like hoping would kind of play more of a, a role and ultimately ends up not. Um, but with that aside, the main crux of this movie, I think is, is very much, uh, a look at nostalgia and kind of the, um, the dark side of nostalgia. And I don't think that this is a necessarily new take at all. I mean, I think pretty much all the reviewers are saying the same shit. It's, but when you look at it, it is one of those things that I think is like, uh, we all look back at 
times in the past as like, oh, those were the good times and stuff like that. But that's not always necessarily true. Um, and basically the, so the plot of the movie is this, this little, or this girl from like kind of nowhere, England, uh, gets to go to this fashion school of her choice in London. And she's obsessed with the sixties and loves the sixties. And then she gets there and she doesn't fit in or anything like that and ends up getting an apartment on her own because her school uh, dormitory and roommate, uh, the people that she's with are just kind of assholes and kind of like fucking like take advantage of her and uh, like really gross and mean and weird ways. And so she's like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, about this life. So, um, she ends up, um, getting an apartment on her own. And when she's in this apartment, she starts having these dreams about being a woman in the sixties. And as the story kind of progresses, you get to see how the story of the woman from the sixties plays out. And it becomes a sort of like a murder mystery sort of thing. And, um, I think that's where I'll leave it as far as plot details go. But needless to say, um, I think that this movie really does take a look at saying, hey, you know, just because things may have been great in the past from like a, again, nostalgic point of view, that doesn't mean that they were actually great. Like, there were actually probably like objectively bad times. <clears throat> and this takes a look at the rampant misogyny in the sixties. Uh, and I think it also takes a very, uh, pointed look at the stuff that was going on in Hollywood. Like I, th I really do think that a lot of the reviewers have missed out on the, like, uh, the nostalgia thing for like, you know, nostalgia for a certain time. But I think that there's also like a, and maybe nostalgia is the wrong word for this, but like there is a sort of like nostalgic or rose colored, like tint to the way we look at Hollywood. Like nothing could ever go wrong in Hollywood and, you know, stuff like that, because these people are all like bastions of virtue. Listen to their speeches at the Oscars where they care about people. Like, no, they fucking don't. They totally hid the fucking Harvey Weinstein shit for years, for fucking years. And no one said a goddamn thing like fuck those people. And and like, I think that this movie actively takes a critical look at that sort of stuff because of the story of the woman in the 60s that we see. And um, all of that stuff is awesome, but I think it also uh, kind of has some other things that it touches on, too, that I, I think are really relevant to, like, artistic types or people that love movies like I do. And that's, like, not losing yourself in your work, if that makes sense. Like, um, the, one of the the main things that uh, the the main girl from like you know modern days is like she starts making these outfits that are literally 
from what the woman was wearing in the 60s. Like, there's no, no difference to them whatsoever. Um, and she's kind of, like, passing it off as her own. And I think that there's a criticism in there about, like, originality and what, the, what you as an artist have to bring uh, to something. And all of that stuff really works, but I think that there is also some stuff where like that thread in particular, that like thematic thread, I think is a little undercooked and I don't think that it necessarily gets the point across that it is trying to get across the stuff about like the, the sort of like sexual assault and stuff like that, I think is all really well done until the end where there is a sort of like, um, I don't want to say role reversal because I don't think that that's it, but there's a, there's almost a sort of like sympathizing with the villain sort of thing. And I think that that undercuts the message that they're trying to paint with the, the misogyny and the sexual assault and stuff like that. Um, and I really think that if this script just, worked a little bit harder this would be one of those movies that people like in 20 years are are calling like an all-time classic sort of thing um unfortunately it doesn't end up working out like that but i think that as it stands looking at just the merits that it you know shows us i think that this is a really strong movie that is really really special. Um, and I think that you'd be doing yourself a disservice to not go see this in theaters. Um, because this is what I feel like deserves to be in theaters. Um, I love the Marvel movies and shit like that, but like, I really want like nice, original, thoughtful movies. And this is one of those. The the reason it came on my radar was because of Matt Smith. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah, love him. So it's it's not. You said I'd be doing myself a disservice to not go see it in theaters. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think this is one of the well, not, maybe not yourself, but like I I feel like uh you know everyone is like all on board with like Marvel and DC and Transformers and shit like that uh, yeah. at the theater. And they're like these smaller movies. I don't necessarily want to go see. I think by not going to go see a movie like this in theaters, you're hurting other movies that would come out in the future that you would like. I gotcha. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. I have off this weekend and we don't have much to do. So that might be on the agenda. Cause like I said, just for him, I wanted to go see it. Yeah, and he's uh, he's really great in it. Uh, he was playing a role that I never expected him to play. But yeah, because when I think of him, of course, I think of the Doctor. So yeah, this is something completely different. Yeah, and it's uh, he's good in it. He's very good in it. Um, but yeah, all right. Uh, that all said, let's go ahead and get into our uh, I guess topic of the show. So, um, gaming has grown in significant ways since its inception in the seventies. 
And there have been fast changes to the way that systems are handled. There have been changes to hardware that have allowed for more robust music and visuals. Uh, there have been the integration of story and character to video games. Uh, and for all those changes, there has been one thing that hasn't changed, and that is art design. Art design is always and will always be an integral part to the way that games are made. So what we wanted to do for you today, kind listener, is sort of take a look back at the differences between old school pixel, oh my God, pixel art versus the more modern looking polygonal, oh my God, polygonal art. Uh, and talk about both and what makes them special and maybe even fight about which art design is better. Um, so I thought that this would be a more sort of nebulous topic uh, that we could maybe have some fun, like kind of going over because uh, I'm not going to call out names, uh, but there are people that I know who uh, sit and talk about video game art and they're talking about graphics and they do not understand the difference between the two uh, because to them, a 2D, um, you know, sprite based like pixel art thing is never going to win best art design over say something like um like a naughty dog game uh for instance because you know it's the it's pulling the most power out of your ps4 or whatever and i kind of think that those sorts of takes are bullshit because i think that some of the most beautiful art design in video games comes from 2d pixel art um so that's where I kind of wanted to take this in the first place. Uh, but I wanted to, I guess, go ahead and grab the two of your uh, thoughts on it um, first. Mm -hmm. So I don't think art and graphics are the same. I, th I think there's, there's a, there's a fine line. Like I, how many times in this podcast have I gone back to Stardew Valley? Yeah, yeah. A, a lot. Um, and it's my favorite. It's truly, it's my favorite game of all time because it, the art plays a huge piece of that. Like, it makes it mm -hmm. um, charming. And it, it's very unique to itself. And it kind of draws you in. And yeah, the game as a whole does that. The characters, the music, you know, sound design, stuff like that. It all, it all draws you in. But Stardew has a very unique art style. Um, it's, it's just charming. Like I, I said it once and I'll say it again. It just, it's very unique and it doesn't have to have some just, you know, super high quality graphics to go behind it to make it something that's just fantastic. Um, personally, most of my favorite games in ter in terms of art design always come from the 2D spectrum. Another one that I would think about would be Ori and the Will of the Wisps um, or the Blind Forest, rather. Either way, like that's some of the most beautiful art that I personally think comes from video games. And I talked about one the other day, um, not the other day, but the other podcast, and it was Dust and Elysian Tale. That is 
graphic style. It's very reminiscent of, well, it's kind of like Ori in a way, but it, it's unique to itself. And that's where games don't have to be some giant blockbuster, AAA, you know, polygonal game. It could, it just, it's something different. Art goes a lot more deep than who has the best graphics. You know, it's not always going to be a God of War or an Assassin's Creed or a Naughty Dog game, like you said. Art direction is missed, I feel like, in a lot of these, I'm not going to say smaller games. I wouldn't consider Stardew or Ori to be smaller games, but games that don't necessarily have the Naughty Dogs behind them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, awesome. you done? <clears throat> um, yeah, I kind of trailed off. <laughs> um, so... I like what uh I, I think that's a really bad take, uh personally because What? No no not what you said, what Josh Oh did. bro, I was like you just straight up fucking crucified me. <laughs> no, what Josh said, uh I, I, I think that's kind of an ignorant take because like so so like two D pixel art, right? Like games that come out now that are in that two D two D kind of pixel uh uh art style they look completely fucking different than what 2D games looked like in the 80s or in the 90s. Like, as an art form, 2D pixels have come a long fucking way, just like the polygons that everybody loves in your AAA fucking titles. Um, the the idea that uh, that a 2D pixel art game can't, you know, take game of the year over something like uh, oh fuck, uh, cyberpunk or, you know, that's probably a super bad example. Yeah. That's that game's not taking any game of the years. No, <laughs> it, it didn't have a chance. It never stood one. Um, but no, like I think 2d pixel, I think 2d pixel art games like definitely have their place and they, they, um, like fuck dude, I'll play Stardew Valley a hundred times over before I fucking touch cyberpunk. Like I, yeah, same. Like, <laughs> And, and Stardew Valley is one of those games that, and I, I, I hate to fucking praise it since Dylan just did, but I, he's right. Stardew Valley is one of those games that it's, it's just gorgeous. It is it, like it, it, it really shows that you don't need the polygons and and the and the four K three D fucking textures. Like you don't need that to make a good game. You know what I'm saying? Like, so no, that mm, no. Can I ask who this opinion comes from? Uh, it's just a guy. <clears throat> no, that's not good enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll Dylan, we can't dox people. I'm not doxing anyone. I'm just saying, is it a part of our group? Um, no. Okay, okay. it's the idiot that everyone complains about from the other group. I got you. <laughs> God. I wouldn't say that either, but... Um, I will. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you'll fall on that sword for me. Yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't know him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't think it's even necessarily just that person that I've heard say that kind of stuff before. Uh, yeah, I've I've uh, heard quite a few people have that opinion and I think it's fucking ridiculous, but So, uh, yeah, um I don't know. I Part of the reason I wanted to bring up this topic is because uh, in the last two months, I've played games that don't necessarily look the best, like graphically, like, um, or, or I, I won't say look the best. Uh, what's a 
I'm trying to think of a better way to phrase it. Um, that don't aren't the most like crisp, like polished. Yeah, yeah, maybe polished is the best way to like. I I haven't been playing games that like I said are like fucking The Last of Us Part Two or uh you know um uncharted 4 or god of war um i've been playing stuff that like i think that when you like let's take halo as an example right halo i don't think would ever win a best graphics department award right i i just don't think that the graphics of halo really hold up when you compare it to stuff like say call of duty or battlefield even. Um, and, and those games don't compare to stuff that is like, uh, like, I I mean, going back to the naughty dog stuff, like they, they don't even look like that. Right. Like I think that, um, when you take a look at halo though, what is striking about Halo is the art direction, the art design of that game, because it looks very distinct from everything else that is like in not only that space, but like in games in general. I don't think that there are games that look like Halo. They like I don't think mm-hmm. that they exist. And I think that that's a a, a nice way to look at like art design, because I don't think that art design is the way that the art is done. I think that like art design comes down to like the way that you design, like the, the design philosophy around the art of your game, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, well, so I guess, with that said, where do you guys think that, like, do you think that there has been a distinct um, difference in the way that art direction is, like, say, now versus where it was, you know, 30 years ago? Yeah. And maybe that's a question that needs more thought, but... I would say definitely. And I think it's because of obviously the technology that we have now. It it helps uh I guess developers open up their creativity more. Mm-hmm. I think Halo is a great example cuz even back when it was Halo 1 and 2 uh and 3 3 was a big step from 2, but even then like the worlds were very unique um as were the characters and even some of my favorite I guess early gaming memories were like looking at the concept art for a lot of the Halo things because they it was just otherworldly. And like you said, I there are not many games that look like that. If you look at the Halo Infinite art now, it's absolutely beautiful. There's it's landscapes that uh you you and I might be accustomed to because it looks semi familiar. But it's also alien. They add a lot of extra things into their world that just pop and grab you. And like you said, there's nothing else that, I guess, harnesses that. I mean, on a completely different spectrum, or spectrum, like No Man's Sky kind of comes close, but at the same time, it doesn't touch it. It, it shares similarities. Um, 
but I think that kind of all, you know, that question that you asked made me stem to that, but I feel like it's definitely changed. We have a lot more capability now to express creativity. And I think, again, I think Halo Infinite or just Halo in general was a great example because like you said, it may never win best graphics, especially when we have games like, you know, next year we'll have Horizon coming out. We'll have God of War coming out. Those are games that offer an experience that's a little more slowed down than the Halo universe. So there's... mm, I don't want to say that there's more to see, Mm -hmm. but Halo does something that those games kind of don't. Um, And it just, like, I've seen some of the stuff. Like, I'm playing God of War now. Like, I've seen some of those landscapes. You know what I mean? Like, even Horizon being as unique as... No, that's a bad example, because Horizon Zero Dawn is pretty fucking unique, too, isn't it? Like, it's a world we know that's been completely overrun by machines. That's a pretty bad example. I don't know. That's that's just a difficult question, and I think I would need more time to, like, truly dwell on that. But mm-hmm. short answer, yes. Okay. Uh, Austin, how do you feel? Um, <clears throat> to kind of echo off of Dylan's, uh, Dylan's answer, because uh, like he said, that is a pretty difficult question. Um, but... <sighs> I'm trying to figure out how to fucking say words and put my thoughts into words. Um, yes, the shitty thing is that my brain works faster. Yeah. I think my mouth runs faster than my brain does. Like, I know what I want to <laughs> say, but my brain... Yeah. Like, mm, which order do these words go in? <laughs> um, but re-ask your question. Let me... <laughs> oh god. Okay, well, let me let me put it to you uh maybe in a in a different way. Yeah, I'm um, stupid. Dumb it down. Yeah, let's dumb it down. <laughs> I, I don't want to say uh dumb it down, but um uh, what do you think has been the most marked difference between what the art design was, you know, back in the 80s versus mm. what it is like today? Um, one of the biggest things I see, uh, and not so much in maybe 3d games, but like, especially when it comes down to like the 2d pixel art games, um, take games like, uh, the first super Mario bros or legends of Zelda. Like if you put, if you take that sprite and you throw it up and you put what, you know, those characters are actually supposed to look like, you know, hand drawn or whatever, you wouldn't know that, like, you you wouldn't really be able to tell unless you were shown those drawings. You know what I mean? Like, you, mm-hmm. it, it would be really hard to to kind of go, okay, well, that's who that's supposed to be if you didn't already know what they looked like. But we've come, you know, technology in the last 20 to 30 years has come so far. Uh, really, I guess 40. Holy fuck, I forgot what year it was. I'm dumb. Um <laughs> But, like, technology has come so far that now when you play those 2D games, even though, yeah, they're still 2D pixel art, you can still, you, you can make out the characteristics of that character. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I think look, looking back at those 80s games, like, like just like Super Mario Bros. 3, like, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm specifically going back to, like, a, like a 2D or a 2.5D mm-hmm. um, game style, like... 
just the depth that we have now, mm-hmm. like when I think of, I, I'm going to Ori, I'm going to Hollow Knight, like even in these games that present themselves in a simple way, there's so much depth to them. We can see so much more coming from the art, like the background specifically, even games like Terraria, mm-hmm. like there's a lot going on in the background. And I think that's something that we have... Again, back to technology, yes, but also just we have the creativity to explore now and open up more than we did back then. And I think it's leaps and bounds past where it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think to echo what you were saying, I, I think obviously technology has helped. Like you can't say that like an NES would be able to run the uh, even PS1 games. Like right. those games would not look the same way on an NES console for sure. Uh, and those, and those PS one games don't look anything like what say like the Xbox one PS four games look like. So I like, I, I think obviously you can't discount technology, but the, the one thing that I wanted to um, like piggyback off of was, I think that it has really helped within the last 30 to 40 years for artists to kind of uh, realize what they can do within the medium and grow. I think that art design has mainly the big thing, uh, again, discounting technology, the big thing has been that people's eyes have been open to what they can do. So they're creating these incredible worlds that, like, in you know, 1985 or whatever, when they're making Mario, they're like, Oh yeah, just make a hill. Oh, and you can put clouds in the sky. Like that's it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, that's that creativity aspect. And you're completely right. Like I see what you're saying. Like people as, as the video game medium has expanded so has people's creativity within the developmental cycle like people are starting to understand like hey we can do a lot more than this and they always like not always but we're seeing that flesh out especially now more than then like that's a good point i like what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah um I think the only other thing that uh, maybe I wanted to point out was that, uh, like, with regards to how games are made, there are entire studios, or well, entire departments now that are dedicated to just coming up with, like, the art of the game. In, like, 1977, when, you know, whoever was programming fucking Galaga, they were just, it was like one person, you know what I mean? And I, I, I think that it is important to not, um, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say discount, but like it's important to make sure that that is, um, I, I think, talked about within within this given conversation. Yeah. And there's also one man teams that still do it, though, going back to Stardew, mm-hmm. which is oh, yeah. crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. And, that's, and the that's art in Stardew is fucking gorgeous oh yeah i need to so, get that game. josh do you have any other topics to expand on in this yes uh well okay. uh i wanted to uh maybe talk about 
what I hate to to do this considering where I, I went with like the um the talk about uh last night in Zoho, but do you think that there is a role that nostalgia plays in how we look at like eight bit games and their um art design or n- maybe not uh eight bit games in particular, but like pixel art games. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I Obviously, I can't fucking speak for everybody, but like I know me personally, not really, because um, I'm I'm you know I'm not that much younger than you guys, but I, I, you guys have got a couple years on me, so like I really didn't. Um, I my first console was a Genesis, and it was a hand me down, and you know the first couple games I ever played were Sonic the Hedgehog and some really shitty Batman and Robin fighting game on the fucking Genesis that I can't remember the name of. Um, but like my first real console that like really got me, you know, made me fucking fall in love with video games was the original Xbox. So I didn't really get a whole lot of time with, um, with those old school, you know, pixel art games. I, I like, I didn't start going back to, you know, Super Mario Bros and Legend of Zelda until I was probably already in middle school. Um, so for me, it's not really nostalgia based, but like. I can't help but appreciate what those games had to offer because like the games we have now, we, we wouldn't have them if, if those games didn't do as well as they did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If, if gaming in that form didn't take off the way that it did, we, we wouldn't have the, the God of Wars and the last of us. Wow. Holy (laughs) shit. What? That was a stroke. Um, and stuff like Horizon and Spider-Man, like we wouldn't we wouldn't have graphics like that if those old school uh, 2D pixel art games didn't take off the way that they did. So for me to circle back, for me, it's not nostalgia based, but it's more of an appreciation of uh, where the industry has come from as a whole. OK, what about you? Um, so. I want to say no. I, I I really do want to say no, but I can't definitively be like, yeah, no, it doesn't play a role at all because I, I'm sure that it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that when you look at stuff like, um, I'm trying to think of a, a strong pixel art based game that I've played recently. Uh, I, I think when you look at like mm, when you look at something like say like Unmetal or Trigger Witch, which I played earlier this uh, this year, like a, a month or two ago, or you look at um, uh, I, I think even to a lesser extent uh, like stuff like like. Mm, We'll just stick to those two examples for now. When when you look at at those games in particular, I think that they do have, like, especially on Trigger Witch, even though it is very much inspired by stuff like the, you know, 8-bit NES and the 16-bit SNES days, it has a very, like, I don't want to say distinct art style, but it has a 
style that is very much different from the the sort of B tier uh eight like, like retro games that you'll find all over Steam and um and and like the Xbox and PlayStation stores. Uh and that's not to say that they're particularly good or that there is like nostalgia based around them. It's more so to say that like, I think that when you uh, t- take a look at, um, uh, Oh my God, curse of the moon Two. um, what's uh ritual of the night. No, I, fuck it, it's the it's the metroidvania that came out like a couple of years ago when you take a look at that compared to something like like a trigger witch like it's a night and day difference even though they're both 16-bit like art styles like there is a gigantic vast difference between like the pixel art that you'll see in pixel art based games and i think that like by just discounting it as like uh like nostalgic um like i, I don't i'm trying to think of the the word that i'm looking for when you look at uh like at those games it's a little bit different than just you know being like it's clearly just nostalgia because i think that there is a uh, a, a nice, I, I don't want to say conversation to be had about art style, but, um, but I mean, there's a nice conversation to be had about art style within that. Um, I feel like I'm rambling. No, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. I was, I'm trying to think of how to put it on my end too, because when I think about why, I feel like I'm so drawn to that style. Um, like, I'm not trying to say that I don't like the AAA huge games that we have now. That's not at all it. But honestly, if I had my preferred choice, I think I would stick with kind of the... I guess the Stardews and the Ori's and stuff. Like, Ori is a is a unique example because... I can't really say that's nostalgic, right? Because it's very modern. It's just on a like like a retro play style, essentially. Like a uh, like you're exploring a two D world, essentially. Um, but games like Stardew or Terraria, I find comfort in them. Like I I would rather play one of those for hours on end than I would a God of War, just because I feel a stronger connection to it. I think, um, and I'm more drawn to that. I just like seeing what uh, developers can bring out and their creativity in a limited, um, I guess, I don't even, I don't think limited space is the right word, but a limited capacity. Like there's only so much you can do with pixels, right? I mean, it's 18, 16 bit, whatever. Um, Pokemon did a great job of it back in the day. And again, that's a huge part of why I think nostalgia plays into it for me, because that's all I played as a kid was Pokemon. Um, And I played things like Metroid or Castlevania, um, stuff like that. But I don't know. I think nostalgia for me does 
play more of a role in what I find uh, comfortable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair point. Um, is there is there a uh, from an art design perspective? Is there a style that you gravitate to more? Um, like it, it, if you had to choose between the two, is there one that you're definitively like, yes, this is the, this is the art style that I would choose. That's so fucking hard, man. And yeah. it's because I love so many different styles of games. This was ultimately going to be, that's why I asked you if you had anything to expand on, because my final question would have been what you just asked. Um, and that's really hard because I've talked about the two that I absolutely enjoy more than anything. And it's Stardew and Ori. Stardew put aside, I truly think what Ori offers or a game like Hollow Knight is the style that I would choose over anything else. Um, I just, I love being able to see what developers can create on a limited scale, but like you can see depth within the world. I still haven't played song of iron, but I think even that game, just from what I've seen does a great job with the depth, the foreground and background. I like being like the, just it's what I think of when I think of a fun time or a comfortable experience or something that I know that I could play for hours on end. If you give me a game with that art style um, or just direction, not even style because Orion hollow Knight are very different. I just want something on that medium because, and dust does the same thing from a couple of weeks ago. I love, um, I love like what Spyro did with the reignited trilogy. I think that's beautiful. I love what borderlands does with this art, with its art direction. I think it's very unique, but if I had to choose one for the rest of my life, it would definitely be what elements, uh, hollow Knight and Ori draw out in their art direction. Okay. Uh, what about you? Austin? Um, I don't, Mm. Uh, I, I personally, me, I, I do tend to gravitate more towards, uh, towards the, the 3d modern day stuff. And that, and that's solely mostly because like more or less that that's like, that's all I've really known. Right. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, alive, uh, at, to really appreciate the the older fucking two D pixel art shit. So, um, although I do enjoy it, I do go back and enjoy it. Um, but I I definitely probably gravitate more towards m- more modern day three uh, D graphical arts. Okay. Um. I don't think that I necessarily gravitate towards any. Uh, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I, okay. I, I think I'd like what I like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but within the, um, within the parameters that I, I set where I have to choose one, I, th- I think I'd have to go, uh, pixel art. I, I just think that 
there is a sense of style there that I don't think that you necessarily get from modern day stuff. Uh, there are definitely examples that are contrary to that. Like, I mean, you take take a look at like what Ghost of Tsushima did, or uh, you know, even something like um, what was your game of the year last year, Austin? Uh, Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Mm-hmm. Like that has a very distinct style. Just and it, and it looks really pretty. Just you wouldn't have been able to run that back in the day. Yeah. Um. But I I think that something that I think is a very I don't want to say good philosophy, but like something that I I see as um uh a good sort of like mantra to live by is when you're a creative person is I think when limitations are set upon you, that makes you more creative. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that like people with like, like one of the things that I hate seeing with horror movies in specific is I hate seeing someone who is gifted at making these really nicely crafted, low budget, like, really really awesome thrillers and then they're given permission by a studio to just like here have 30 million dollars go make us a fucking like or or not even necessarily 30 million here here's like you know 50 million 60 million to make a horror movie and you come back with shit that's like for lack of a better term, garbage because you, the ambition is unrestrained. So like they don't, there's nothing to kind of like reel them in. And, and when everything is a good idea, nothing is a good idea. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that when you put the limitations of a pixel art game, on the board, you end up coming up with stuff that is just truly unique and truly does look different than, you know, fucking 70% of the other shit that's out there. Uh, whereas I take a look at something like, say, The Last of Us, and like, The Last of Us is beautiful. It's a technical marvel. That game is stunning to look at. It has n- nothing to do with the art direction of that game absolutely nothing to do with the art direction of that game. I think that where a lot of people go wrong when they think about this stuff is you can do more stuff with polygons. That doesn't mean that you should do more stuff with polygons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, another thing I, I guess I wanted to bring up real quick is I, I, I love the way that the PS one final fantasy games look because mm-hmm. they are a mix of this sort of top down isometric, um, like beautiful, like 3d, artwork and and like character models and stuff like that mixed with uh, this 
pre-rendered backgrounds that are like basically just pictures and they those games even like take a take away the character models that are obviously dated you know ps1 games do not look good they they mm-hmm. just like compared to what we have now and stuff like that like the character models from ps1 games do not fucking look good they just don't um but stuff th- those games with the pre-rendered backgrounds those i think still look stunning like 20 30 years later like i don't think that there is a game that has as nicely developed um like locations as final fantasy 7 or 8 or 9 and i think that that's a lost art that really should be brought back is the is the pr- use of pre-rendered backgrounds um i'm trying to think if i had one in mind but i don't uh, not at least one that jumps out at me. I know what you're saying, though. I'm just drawing a blink. I can't think of one. Yeah. So, um, that was the last thing I wanted to add because I I had it in my mind and then I didn't really know where to stick it and then I almost forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So that's our conversation about art design, kids. Woo. Uh, why don't we talk about what we've been playing now? Yeah. Um, who wants to start? Dylan does. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fine because uh, my, my first one's quick and easy to get out of the way. So, and it kind of branches off into a tangent. I've already been tangenting in my head. Um, I've been playing a lot of Warzone and Apex recently. Okay, I don't know why. I've just had a hankering for, I guess, battle royales in general. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Who are you and what uh, did you do with Dylan? <clears throat> I don't know what the fuck happened, dude. I genuinely don't. <laughs> um, or where it came from. But that little tangent that I was just talking about is uh, m- my addiction to these two games has flourished into me now buying Vanguard on Friday um, because that is an impulse that I can't control. I want to play a Call of Duty game, so I'm going to buy the new one on Friday um, and just delve into it, dude. I was telling you earlier today, Josh, the, the last Call of Duty that I remember buying on launch is Black Ops 2, uh, and that's a long time ago because I played Warzone. Uh, not Warzone. <laughs> I played Modern Warfare, uh, but it wasn't on launch, so this is just kind of... I'm letting the multiplayer ball just snowball even further <laughs> <laughs> and if maybe I stopped playing it in December. I don't fucking know, but I'm a little excited about it. Um, cause like you said, the story seems interesting at least, um, or, you know, at least the call of duty stories do. So I'll give it a shot, but the war zone kind of, uh, it, it stemmed something that I, sh- I haven't felt in a long time. I, I played a solo game the other day, my first time booting up Warzone in months and I fucking won. So don't know what that was about. Pretty sure that's a way to make me buy the battle pass or something. Probably. They just gave me all the scrubs. <laughs> yeah. Um, they gave you all but, the level ones their first day. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, and then I played, they had a Halloween event going on. I forget what it's called. But yeah, oh, they had like a shit, screen right? thing, right? The, they did have that. They had a character, like you could buy the skin for it too. But the event they had going on is kind of rad because you spawned, I think it was teams of three. So you drop into the map and... If you die, you can come back. You come back as a ghost, 
the ghost has its own abilities. Like it can lunge far throughout the map. It can teleport and it can do, it can do something else like a, like almost like a stun. I think it was pretty cool. And you had to collect. Yeah, it it was man. And you had to collect like three human spirits. And if you did that, you could respawn. Oh, so essentially, yeah, essentially your goal was to, you know, if you did die, come back, support the team, make it to the end, be the last team standing, beat the ghost, beat the humans. It was pretty fucking cool. It was a lot going on. Um, and I managed to win one of those two. So again, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like it somehow led to me buying Vanguard on Friday. So <laughs> it's it's been a, it's been a good time, but I feel like I've been gaslighted into believing I won a Call of Duty game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. That's pretty rad, though. Yeah. How long yeah, is that that's... Halloween thing still going? I'm I'm assuming not, but I. I can't tell you yes or no. I haven't played it in a couple of days. Um, I doubt it, to be quite honest with you. I yeah. think uh, Apex has just ended as well. They uh, released a new legend today in Apex. A new season just started. Uh, looks pretty cool. I'm playing that on the PS5 just casually, too. I don't know if I'll play it as much when I pick up Vanguard, but it offers things that Call of Duty doesn't, and it's a lot of fun, too. Um, I, it's it's pretty cool. I don't know. Check it out. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Austin, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I've very barely loosely been playing Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's a lot of fun. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, off the bat, starting the game up for the first time, I noticed just how deeply accessible this game is. Uh, have, have either of you guys gotten a chance to check that out yet? I haven't been able to play it yet. It's downloaded. I just haven't gotten to it. So when you boot up the game for the first time and you go through the main menu, you get your difficulty settings. But then when you choose your difficulty, you can actually go in and modify that difficulty to your fucking heart's content. Um, You can modify how much damage you take. You can modify how much damage you dish out. You can modify how quickly your health regenerates. Like, it's fucking wild. Like, there, there is absolutely a form of setting that anyone and everyone can play with this fucking game. And I think that's really cool. Um, the, the second thing I noticed right off the bat, uh, when you get through all that, the game starts uh, booting up. You get this kind of opening cutscene of Peter Quill still as a child on Earth talking to his mom in his bedroom. You get to kind of explore his bedroom a little bit. And it is just filled with uh, what uh, the time period I'm assuming is the 80s. I'm dumb. I don't know yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy lore. Um, no, it's the 80s. But it, it was filled with references to stuff like Tron. He has Iron Maiden posters all over his room. And like the corner on a desk, he's got like a D&D campaign going. Like it is just filled with 80s aesthetic. And I fucking love that. I thought that was super cool. Um, the combat is, it's really simple and like very un like there, there's not really a whole lot to it. Um, but it, it still manages to be fun and entertaining. I, I don't know why, but I was kind of under the premise that I, I was under the assumption probably cause I just didn't look too much into the game. Um, I was under the assumption that I would be able to play as more than just Peter Quill. I thought I would be able to take full control of any of the other Guardians, and that is not the case. You do not get to do that. But um, if you press the either the the right shoulder button or the left shoulder button, one of the two, you get kind of like a like a like an ability wheel, and you can uh, choose which abilities you want your teammates to use in certain firefights. 
So like you, you kind of have a little control over them, but not too much. You're mostly stuck with Peter. Um, but another cool thing about the combat is the use of licensed tracks all throughout the combat. Um, there's a, there's this uh, thing called a hurdle. You have a hurdle gauge that builds up as you, as you're fighting. And when it, uh, hits max, you can press the two, I think it's the two shoulder buttons together. And Peter Quill kind of calls everyone in for a pep talk and you get dialogue options. And depending on what your dialogue options, you can either, you know, successfully do a pep talk or you can actually fail and make everyone's moods worse. I don't know if it happens every time cause I, it only happened to me once. But the one time I failed that huddle talk, uh, fucking never going to give you up started playing. And that was amazing. So <laughs> something about that just felt so good and so perfect. It was great. Um, the dialogue is hilarious. Like just the little quips and, and, th- and things that they all say to kind of attack each other, especially Gamora and Drax, because this is... This is a version of the Guardians that kind of just got together and are just now trying to make a name for himself. Um, obviously, with Drax's backstory, you know, Thanos attacked his planet, killed his wife and his children, and Gamora being the literal daughter of Thanos, They the, the game starts out with them not getting along very well, and they take shots at each other constantly, and it's just fucking hilarious. Um, the game looks great, performs really good. Uh, I think I've got, like, maybe a little over three hours in it, and I... I haven't experienced a single stutter or dip in frame rate or anything. It's the whole game has just been smooth all the way through. Um, I'm sure it did dip at some point, but it wasn't bad enough for me to stop and be like, oh, shit. okay, something's going on. You know, if if it did happen, it was pretty nonchalant. Um, The story is super interesting. I don't I'm not that far in, so I don't really have a good grasp on what's going on. As far as I know, this is a fairly freshly formed guardians of the galaxy kind of trying to make their way in the universe. And this game feels like it has everything that was great about Avengers, but minus everything that made Avengers a bad game at launch. Um, and that's awesome. Uh, the story's starting. I'm, I'm kind of at a point where the story's really starting to get pretty interesting and it's super fun and I can't wait to finish it. I, I'm going to, I want to have it done before the end of the year so I can talk about it in our game of the year discussion. Um, I don't really, I don't think it's going to land very high in my top five. Well, I mean, it probably will. Cause I probably am only going to purchase like five games from this year. Um, <laughs> so it might end up on the top five, but it, it's, it's fun. I don't think it's game of the year material, but I, I, I wouldn't say buy this game at full price, but if you did, you probably won't regret it. It's, I mean, I don't, it's pretty fun time. So do you think you can beat it before November 19th? Oh, for sure. What's November 19th? Uh, game of the year comes out. Actually game of the year comes out next Friday. Dylan motherfuckers. Next Friday? Yeah, SMT5 is next Friday, not the 19th. No. I <laughs> would be shocked if you wind up putting that above Diamond. I'm not going to lie, bro. I, I'm not talking about it on this episode because I'm not finished. I don't want to talk about games too many times that I haven't finished. Um, I've been playing a lot of SMT3, and I'm pretty liking it a lot. If SMT5 is anything like 3, I'm probably going to like it a whole, whole lot. You're going to like Diamond better. I might. Depends on if they fucked up the remakes or not. (sighs) 
Depends on how easy Cynthia is at the end of that game. That's going to make her break uh, the whole game. I don't want to yeah, talk about it. Yeah, there go you go. I'm going to play the next fucking game just talk about <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know they're going to dumb her down. Shut up. <laughs> well, um, the game I'm going to talk about in brief, since you two have both talked about stuff in brief, is Psychonauts 2. Uh, I've been playing this... Um, uh, because one, I need to, I think, save what I'm going to say about Deathloop for maybe next episode. I, mm. I don't know if I'll have it beat next episode, but I'll, I think I'll be close. Um, but, uh, with that said, I've been playing Psychonauts. So I could have some stuff to talk about other than Dead by Daylight. Um, that and it was just a game that was in my backlog that I really wanted to get to and needed to get. Oh, excuse me. Uh, excuse needed me. to get to, and um, right now it just seemed like the best time to do it because I I don't think that there would have been a necessary a, a better time to do it. Um. Okay, anyway, enough preamble. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I remember very distinctly loving Psychonauts 1 on the original Xbox. It was a game that I really, really remember adoring. Mm -hmm. um, and it, this one was, I felt like, a long time coming. Uh, there was the PSVR exclusive... Uh, I guess technical sequel to Psychonauts called in the rhombus of ruin, which I never got to play. And then finally this one came. Um, and this one takes place, uh, I think directly after rhombus of ruin, but you don't actually have to have played it because some of the stuff is kind of spelled out for you for like what happened at the game. Um, but, uh, with all of that said, um, I am not sure that I am loving this game as much as other people are. Uh, I think that one of its big fatal flaws, uh, is that right off the bat, I, and this is going to be a dumb, a very dumb thing that like no one else is going to agree with me on, but like, so this is a single player story driven game, right? The game yes. literally the opening um, screen of the game says this game, this is a game about empathy. And I don't like that for a number of reasons, but the number one reason that I don't like that is like, that gives me no room to really think about what the game is trying to tell me. Uh, and if there are any other meanings that I want to take away from the game, it's already stunted because in my mind, this is a game about empathy. You, do you know what I mean? Sounds like you're not empathetic to their cause. <laughs> I just, I, I think that that's a dumb thing to, to put at the beginning of your game. I like, I don't tell me what your game is about. Like, let me figure it out for myself. Um, and again, I know that that's a dumb take. I, I, I know that, other people will not have that problem. Uh, but it's something that immediately stood out to me as something that like, I, it, it sat wrong with me. I get what you're saying though, because it's essentially 
it's already taking something away from you. It's taking away an experience from you, essentially, of trying to figure out something for yourself. Yeah. I would be pretty bummed about that, too, especially I don't know if you played Psychonauts 1 or not. I never did. But especially if you were going into this and you were kind of excited about it for it to already take something away from you is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like I said, it's not a big deal for a lot of people. I, I get that. But it's just it's something that like I it's OK. So one of the big things about Sucker Punch not the studio, but the the movie from Zack Snyder from like 2007, 2008. One of the big things about that movie that I just fucking cannot stand is the ending of the movie because it straight up just tells you like it's not even subtle about it. It's like this is what the movie was about. And I'm like, why the fuck do you do that? Like that that doesn't give there's no like added pl- uh, not pleasure, but like, there's nothing that I can take away from this. Cause you just spoon fed it to me. I'm not stupid. You don't have to fucking do that. Um, anyway, that aside, th- I think the writing of this game had it not told me that the game was about empathy or whatever, I think is very clear with its intent. I think it's there. I think that like, putting it out front kind of says, I don't think that you guys are smart enough to understand what we're going for. And I think that that's kind of shitty. Um, but with, with that said, um, I think that the writing for the most part with the characters and stuff like that is, is really good. Uh, I'm like, it doesn't seem like they're, I mean, based on what I remember of psychonauts from back in the day, it doesn't seem like there's much of a drop off in like, uh, like the way the characters are written. I feel like they feel the way that I remember them feeling from the first game. Um, I am still in love with Raz. I think he Raz is a great character. Um, and there are new characters that were introduced in this game that, uh, I am slowly really starting to, to like uh they are kind of snot-nosed little brats but i kind of am starting to like enjoy them uh i think that the art design in this game is really good and really gets across like the things that it is trying to uh tackle really well like the very first level of the game has a bunch of like dentist stuff and you're inside mouths and like teeth are coming through in levels and uh, it's just it's really gross <laughs> and but they really like it, it it makes sense and it's like a really I, I think thoughtful uh art design to it um but that aside I think the game just kind of plays dull. Like I don't, I'm not really having fun playing it. Like I, I feel like this is a game that was made during the 360 era in terms of like its gameplay. I, I remember this game getting like nines, um, like eights, nines. I, I maybe even saw some tens somewhere, but like it was getting in the, in like it was getting re- good review scores and I just like I I get that like story can can overwhelm 
bad gameplay things like uh like i don't think that necessarily like gone home which is one of my favorite games like ever has the best gameplay right like it's just you walking around a house and unlocking doors with like some light puzzles but the story does overwhelm like that gameplay i think the problem with that comparison is that gone home is meant to be that whereas i feel like this is meant to be a game that is like also fun to play and i just am not i'm not having fun with it um i don't know i'll i'll see if it picks up uh but i just i kind of am not feeling it i don't know if this is something that i'll continue to play for much longer um I hate saying that because I do love the first Psychonauts so much, but it's just not something that is particularly um, grabbing me right now. Yeah, that's a bummer, though. But at least you have like other stuff that you actually enjoy playing sitting in wait, too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I think uh, I was actually just looking at my my list. Um, I've got in the docket. uh actually i don't know why that's there i just i actually just finished unmetal so it should not be in games i should finish um you know i've got Deathloop. i can go back to scarlet nexus bravely default um and then there's other stuff that like i have either like lightly started like um tales of arise i think i've played like maybe an hour of that and um uh I'm going back through for the other podcast and I'm, uh, I'm going to be playing, um, the fuck is the name? Plague's Tale. Plague's Tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I, and I know that I like that game. So there is stuff there. And then Forza Horizon five is right around the corner. Halo five or Halo infinite is right around the corner. So, um, there is stuff that I know I will enjoy that, uh, I'll get to, but, yeah, yeah. It is. It is just a little bit disappointing because this actually was a game that I was looking forward to like several years ago. I was like, I'm. I really want a Psychonauts two. I really want this to happen. And then it just it's, uh, failed to deliver. Yeah, and it, it's not like it's bad. I, I don't want to. I don't want to like make it out like it is a bad game because it's not. It's just not. It. I. I feel like it's. M- I feel like it's mediocre. I hate using that word, but that's where it sits for me. Just didn't live up to your expectations. Yeah. I feel that. Yep. 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 Uh, well, Austin, do you want to tell me about the other game that you're playing? The Naruto game? Yeah. Um, I have been playing an unhealthy amount of Naruto to Boruto Shinobi Striker. Um, I played this game back on Xbox when it launched. I was super into it for a couple weeks. Um, but when the game launched back in August 30th of 2018, somewhere in that range, um, it was not the most stable game in the world. And by that, I mean the load screens were literally, I timed them. Uh, one, of them the, one of the worst ones I got was about 15 minutes long. And that was oh, just to shit. load up into the game. That wasn't even queuing for an online match. That was just booting up the fucking game. 
Um, That's a little ridiculous. The servers were so bad that you would be sitting in a queue for 15, 20 minutes, and then you would be dashboarded. You would, I would be sent straight back to my dashboard. Um, my buddy David, who another you know big Naruto fan, we were super excited to play this. It wouldn't even run on his Xbox. There was nothing he could do to get that game to run. Every other game worked fine, just not Shinobi Striker. Um, the issues were so bad that when they finally got the kinks worked out, um, they gave everybody like because it's a gotcha game at the end of the day. You uh, you complete missions, you unlock scrolls, you open the scrolls to get different cosmetic items and weapons and stuff like that. Um, the, the servers were so bad that when they finally ironed out all the kinks, they gave every single uh, player, I think, like 200 of the most valuable scrolls to get all the fucking uh, high rarity loot that you fucking wanted. Um, and so I, and that's kind of why I stopped playing. Cause I was like, I'm like, the game's fun. Yeah. But I'm kind of getting tired of, of being in a queue for 20 fucking minutes. Um, but three years later, the game had a, had a dedicated fan base that stuck by it. It is still releasing content three years later. It just entered season four. So I think I got in at like the perfect time. Um, it performs great. No fucking issues whatsoever. And I am fucking hooked. Um, it's essential. It's essentially a multiplayer objective based kind of fighting game. Uh, you create your own character and you even choose which village they come from. Although I don't really know why it has you do that because it doesn't fucking matter. Um, there's no specific jutsus tied to whatever village you chose to come from. And the hub world is always, uh, going to be, um, uh, the leaf village. So I'm not even sure why that's an option. I, I guess maybe for just like head cannon, but like, um, whatever, um, <clears throat> off, it has a couple cool offline things, uh, offline for practice and experience grinding. You have the VR arena, which has a super loose story kind of tied to it that you can probably knock out in about four hours. Um, you essentially, it, it, it's, it's like a simulation and you get to relive like really big, important moments from the Naruto franchise, like the pain fight when Orochimaru, uh, attacks the hidden leaf village in the first Naruto, you get to relive all that. And that's pretty cool for what it is. But these missions are mostly for EXP grinding, training, and unlocking new characters to play as, as well as train under. Because when even when you go online, you can play as any of the characters available in the game. You don't have to play your custom character. Um, although I put have put so much time into my character that I'm always going to play as my custom. Um... There's the Ninjutsu Library, which lets you become a student of one of the many iconic characters from the title hero to Sasuke to Pain to Itachi, all the big bads that you can think of. Um, training under masters unlocks their uh, signature jutsus for you to use in, cos in combat and cosmetics based on those characters. Like you can get their full fucking outfits and hairstyles. Um, the one thing that kills me about this game. So. It went on sale for, I think the base ver. I think it's still on sale till the end of November. So if anybody wants to get that and hit me up, play it with me. I'll fucking play that shit with you. Um, I think it's like, it's like $5.99 right now on uh, PSN. And then the deluxe edition is like $13.99. Um, but the deluxe edition only comes with the season one DLC, which is like nine extra characters. But like, there's a total of 24 now. Um, so that kind of sucks cause there's still a good handful of characters I'm locked out from using. 
luckily, the DLC characters you can use in-game without buying them. You just can't train under them and get their moves and cosmetic items and stuff like that. Um, but it has a huge fucking roster with more confirmed uh, that are in development and on the way. Um, the real meat of the game is obviously the multiplayer. It consists of five big modes that do a really good job at putting all the skills that you learn in the VR arena really to the test with other players. Uh, it has capture the flag, which is exactly what it fucking sounds like. It is just capture the flag, but by God, it is the most fun fucking game mode in there. I love it. Love it so fucking much. Uh, there's base battle, which is essentially there are three uh, randomized points on the map and you and the enemy team kind of fight for control and whoever has the most points at the end of the time limit wins. Uh, there's boss battle, which is really fun too and super kind of unique where there will be a big boss NPC and your team will either be attacking or defending um, if you're attacking, there are like these two kind of stone pillars that you have to pull up to pull the barrier around the boss down so you can actually deal damage to him. And then if you're defending, you're just trying to stop the other team from doing fucking any of that. Uh, there's just normal, you know, team deathmatch. And then there is a free for all survival mode where you don't actually get points for the players that you kill. You get points for how long you've stayed alive. So, like, if you're alive for 45 seconds, you get 45 points. Um, I don't remember what the winning threshold was for that, but that mode is a lot of fun, too. But Capture the Flag is still by far my favorite. Um, I think my biggest complaint and real gripe is the ability to use canon characters, including DLC and online multiplayer. Because, like, I get it. Like, you paid for these characters. You should be able to play as them. That's fine. But, like... There are certain DLC characters that are extremely overpowered whose jutsus have a one-hit kill, or, or, or I'm sorry, they, they are an insta-kill if they manage to connect with you, and Madara is fucking one of them, and it's overpowered as shit, and whole, every time I run into a Madara in an online match, I'm like, ah, I kind of want a dashboard and back the fuck out of this, because this is going to be rough, um, but I, I don't know what has just drawn me to this game, but I'm fucking hooked, man. Uh, this, uh, this weekend alone, just by playing, I went from level one to level fucking 50 in the span of three days, just playing non fucking stop every chance that I could. Um, luckily for, for newcomers, um, there is a, when you go into the multiplayer modes, um, there is a mode called beginners mode, which is literally just like a random playlist of all the different available modes. Um, but your experience points are doubled and your, uh, the experience points you gain for the characters you're training under, I believe are tripled. So it's to really help you unlock all those really powerful moves. So you can go into multiplayer and just fucking beat ass. Um, but I personally, I like to think that I've gotten really fucking good at this game. Um, other than the first couple handful of matches I played when I was first getting back into it. Um, ever since probably the first three or four matches, I have yet to have a negative fucking, uh, KD ratio. Um, but I, I fucking love it. This, like, I think I said it today in, in Dylan's stream. Like I, if I was going to start streaming again, which I'm going to actively try to make time for, this is going to be a game that I fucking play. I, I get hyped. I get fucking antsy. I get into it. And I haven't had this much fun in a, with a multiplayer game in a long fucking time. Um, 
I, I, I can honestly say until playing this game again, I have never gone out of my way to go to YouTube and look up how to get better at a game. This is the, this game is the first time I've ever fucking done that because like, I, I, I want to get fucking good and I want to stream it, but I also don't want to look like a fucking idiot while I do stream it. But super fun. Uh, if you're into Naruto at all, it's literally on sale for five bucks fucking try it out give it a shot i uh there is a free version i i don't know what the free version comes with it's just called the light edition i I don't know what's a part of that um but it's super rad and a whole whole lots of fun i keep seeing it on psn um it's not one that's drawn me in but i do keep getting tempted by the old uh I don't know what is it the ultimate ninja storm games yeah. and stuff like that. I I I don't want to say grew up playing but I remember playing the hell out of all of those and I keep wanting to buy those and I figure if I buy those I got to buy the one you're just talking about. I don't know. And it, like, and the combat does, I will say the combat does borrow um a lot from the ninja storm games. Um it, it's not as in depth cuz you know it's it's not like an arena fighting game like the Ninja Storm games are it doesn't have like the in depth combos and jutsus that that does. Right. Um but it does borrow a lot of ele- elements. I'm pretty sure it's if I'm not mistaken it runs on the exact same graphical engine that Ninja Storm 4 did. Um but uh I was going to say something else uh about the combat like when it comes to actually fighting someone online like you this isn't a game that you can just button mash and fucking pull out a w and i i think i that's one of the things i'm really drawn to it um like you have to be very because all you you get two main jutsus you get a substitution uh you know to sub out of combos and stuff uh you get ninja tools which can be anything from uh kunai to paper bombs stun bombs or even like medicine that you can take that can heal you real quick and regenerate your chakra faster uh you have an ultimate jutsu which they all do ridiculous fucking damage unless you're madara then it's an instant kill for some fucking reason um but like one of the things that like one of the videos i watched today about like you know trying to get better at the game uh one of the biggest tips that that guy recommended was like and I'm guilty of it too. When I when I first encounter an an, an enemy player, uh, the moment they land a hint on me, I'm tempted to just hit the trigger button and sub out of that shit real quick. But then I'm like, no, let me let me kind of back off a little bit. Let me guard. Let me save my sub. But then at the same time, let me try to force them to to sub out because you only get one, and then it's got like a 45 second cooldown. So it's not something that they that they can just constantly spam over and over. So I'm like, if I can get them to sub out first and then I can kind of latch back onto them and then they're stuck in a combo they can't get out of. Um, but I'm I'm really guilty of, of wanting to instantly sub. And I, I think that that's a big tip that I can't wait to fucking utilize is try to b- draw people out. Um, but I'm, I mean, if you're ever looking for anything else to play, bro, five bucks, I'll play that shit with you all fucking day. Yeah, I can tell this is the most excited I've heard you about a game in a while. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm fucking hooked. I'm that's the first thing I'm gonna do as soon as this is over is go play another two or three hours. Oh Jesus, that's I'm dead ass. I honestly, if I had my fucking PS5 hooked up to my computer, I'd be doing it right now. I would have been doing it the whole time. Well, hey Josh. <laughs> All right then. Um, all right, so it's down to us. 
We're going to talk about some Dead by Daylight. Hell yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about it first, Dylan? I want to tell you congratulations, but I don't want to take that away from you. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I almost forgot. Uh, well, I, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll start out. Uh, I finally reached rank one survivor. Um, this was something that uh, I had been working on pretty much since I uh, started playing the game. And I thought it was something that was kind of unattainable because you got to be really good to reach rank one of killer or survivor. Uh, and you did it. And I managed to... On stream. Yep. I managed to do it on stream. Um, yeah, that was pretty big, dude. That was crazy. So congrats. So that was that was definitely fun. That was a highlight of my week last last week, for sure. Uh, I Dude, there's so much to do and learn for me. Like, I'm grateful to have you there as a rank one player because, like today, trying to get my perks situated, there's just... It's a really unique game. There's nothing else like it. So it's ground one learning, like, or, you know, from the basics. And there's just so much to it. Mm -hmm. I need, I need a, I need a guide dog. <laughs> a, a seeing eye, dead by daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Take me, take me home. But something I was talking about on stream today, and I actually wanted to ask you about it. So. I killer doesn't interest me. The reason I enjoy playing as a survivor is because as of right now, I don't take it too competitively. Um, I just really enjoy playing the game for the unique experience. But a part of that experience is always having this high level of tension because genuinely I, I get spooked. I mean, there are some situations where, I mean, you can see it on the streams, I yell. I mean, it's pretty fucking scary sometimes. Um, and that tension and suspense is always there. And every time I come back to it, I think that maybe it'll dissipate. And thus far, it has not. And I never want it to because truly that's why I play it. Like, I do enjoy survival horror games sometimes, but this offers something different. It's knowing that I'm going against not an AI, but another person. And they're, you know, that's, it's a smart something, probably smart something. And that makes it even more scary. And on top of that, I mean, the killers themselves are pretty terrifying. Mikey is my number one most hated. Every time that I play against them, it's the worst. Uh, but there's always a sense of unease and seeing him specifically come through the fog with his creepy ass, ass white mask, like every time, whether it's a thousand feet away or whether it's 10 feet away, I take off, dude. It stops my heart, especially if I hear the music at the same time. Um, so ultimately, that leads me to asking you playing it for 500 hours. <laughs> do you still get a little spooked? Um. I think it's more of a sense of, uh, I wouldn't say I get spooked so much as I would say that, um, there is a, uh, I don't want to lose. So like whenever I see a killer coming to me, it's a, a matter of like, Oh fuck, I got to move because I don't want to lose sort of thing. Um, so when you first started playing, did you have that sense of oh, unease yeah. and suspense? For sure. For sure. 
so that led to, are you a little disappointed that it's not still there? Not at all. Okay. Yeah. I, I because I've, I, I, I have, this has become a game of skill for me. If that makes sense. Like, I think I started playing it because of the, the idea that it was, um, uh, like a horror based game. Like that's what initially drew me in. And I was like really into it. Um, but now I'm at a point where I'm like, I kind of, for the most part, know the ins and outs of the game so well that like my mind is shifted from a like, Ooh, this is a, this is a horror game. This is going to be a good time. I'm, there's going to be a little bit of like scares to it or whatever. And now it's become more of a, like, I need to get rank one on survivor. I need to get rank one on killer. I need to step up my game, so to speak. Like this has become my, my competitive game. If that makes sense. It does. And I can see it, uh, come to fruition when we actually play. Like I said, it's, it's nice having someone there that can answer those questions, but I get that. And for me right now, it's not a competitively driven game. It's more of like a survival game right now. Um, and one that I just really enjoy. I do like the competitive aspect of it. Like I'm always, um, I guess pushing myself to learn a little more and also just make better plays. And something I really enjoy doing is if I am being chased, I enjoy running the killer and seeing the different routes I can take and stuff like that, because that's a part of, that's when my competitive side kicks, kicks in. That's when it's like, okay, now I'm playing against someone I'm going to outsmart them. And for the most part, I'm fairly decent at it. Um, I, I, that's one of the other reasons why I get so, uh, enamored with the game is because the competitive aspect in this game is not how many kills I can get or can I capture all these objectives. It's can I outplay you? It's a four V one, but at times it is a one V one because you're up against this other person and they're out to kill you, but you can't fight back. So the only way you can fight back is outplaying them and, that's one of the biggest draws to me. Um, I I love watching other people outplay the killers too. Like I saw something today on stream. I was downed. Um, and this dude just completely outplayed a ghost face. And I freaked the fuck out. Like I was like, dude, you don't know it, but you just did that in front of like four people. Uh, you know, just, it, it was awesome. I love seeing that competitive side of it. So um, inevitably, maybe I do lose the spooky factor, but then I think what I gain from it is an even bigger sense of competitive drive that you have. So I'm not, I might be a little sad. I don't honestly think, dude, I'm just a very apprehensive person when it comes to spooky shit anyway. So maybe it never goes away. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible uh, that, that, that sort of like feeling never goes away. Um, I, so again, like I said, I think that it has come to the point where, uh, like it's a competitive thing for me. Um, and with that said, 
I think that like where this game totally like rules for me the the thing that um that I am I'm starting to like learn and get out of it is how things like kind of like working conjunction with one another and how that can be used to my benefit or my um to to uh, I don't know what the opposite of that phrase would be um but I I wanted to talk about this specifically because they brought in the new character Michaela and I have seen a lot of uh I think really kind of like bad faith takes from killer mains that really annoy me. Um, because I think so killer mains are, I mean, the thing is, is when you're playing as a, as a, as a killer, all the survivors that you're playing against are toxic, no matter what it like, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Same thing with survivor. Like, if you're playing a survivor, you're playing against a, a a killer who's good or whatever. That killer is toxic. It's not always the case. Like, just because a killer is doing good doesn't mean that they're bit, like playing like with like a I don't know. Like uh, the the one thing that I I will say that there there are like toxic type behaviors when. Uh, I'm playing against people who like to play as Leatherface because for whatever reason, those motherfuckers are always like I like I have not found a single Leatherface in the last probably month that I've played that hasn't been running. No one escapes death um, and will camp hooks so that then when like other people are trying to come to get you, he can down both of you with his chainsaw like and those those motherfuckers really do get on my, my goddamn nerves if I'm being completely honest. And it, that's the kind of toxic shit that like I hate seeing, but take that away. And I have seen a bunch of really awful discourse from, from killer mains saying how the new character is garbage and like, that the developers don't know what they're doing anymore and that they're breaking the game and stuff like that. And I want to point out very quickly that I think that they have a point in what that they're like, what they are saying to a degree. Like, I think that the new characters powers, um, which I'll get into in just a second are, very much something that like I see how they are abused and um, I see how they're abused and can be frustrating for killers. But the same exact thing goes for killers. Like when they're, when they're running perks like fucking no ed, like that's very frustrating if you've gotten to a point where like everyone is down to like final hook stage or whatever. And then you somehow manage to get like all of the, um, all of the generators done. Everyone's on final hook and then they come around and you're all fucking like 
exposed. So you all go down in one hit. That's very frustrating. Like it, it just is. But like these people are like, Oh, this is OP and blah, blah, blah. And my thought process is, well, they have to have something to counteract the killers that are using no ed and cheap fucking face camping tactics. Like, something has to be done to balance out the game and everyone is fucking crying about the balancing out of the game. I'm like, what do you want? What? Like, I don't, I don't get what's going on here because the game should be fun for everyone to play. The game should be fair and balanced for everyone to play. Um, but to get into specifically what her, what her powers do, they're called boons. And basically what they do is she can bless a totem and uh, the totem gives you the ability to uh, either heal yourself uh, like you would be able to if you weren't running a med kit or the other one that uh, that it's doing is um, it's called Shadow Step. And basically within the sort of like bubble that you are uh, if you're within the radius of the the totem that is like currently like the boon or whatever. Um, you don't leave any scratch marks and you don't leave scratch marks for three seconds after you leave that radius. Meaning that like you could potentially like run a killer, be running like quick and quiet and something or, or, or something like that. Jump into a locker. They can't find you and you're still right there where they are. And I understand how frustrating that can be. But I, again, I need to bring it back to, I think that something needs to be done to balance the playing field. And I don't think that a lot of people are looking at it that way. They're looking at it. It's like, this is unfair. This is going to like, this breaks the game. And I think to an extent, yeah, it kind of does because I have seen videos of people running killers within the area of where that boon is going and the the placer the the person who is running the killer will get hit find a place to hide because there are no scratch marks and heal up before they start going back and getting chased again i i've seen that shit happen that i think is bad to the extent that like it is a little bit overpowered. But the thing is, is again, you have to balance the game to where it's fun for everybody. And I kind of think that it's a, a, it's a bullshit complaint in the fact that like it is a little area. It is one little like radius. Just fucking get them outside of that radius. It's not that hard. Or, or go chase someone else, come back to that area where you know that boon is, and then snuff out the boon. It's not that like it's not that difficult. I think I think people are making a mountain out of a molehill, and it's kind of annoying to be perfectly honest with you. <sighs> Again, this is what I'm saying. I don't notice this shit. I just you pointed out all of this the other day when you were telling me about the boons and it's like, I had never noticed that. Like, I don't know. There's, 
there's a very casual side to the game and then the more you delve into it the more you start to see things like what you just described and it's i'm excited to get to that point but my god dude it seems like so much (laughs) and knowing all the perks and shit too yeah it's it's a lot to take in um there are a couple of uh people i've watched on youtube to kind of learn things from um not otstarva is one of them uh ots is actually dylan he's the first one i think i'm pretty sure he's the first person to uh to no hit run dark souls one wait what i'm i'm relatively positive that he was the first one to ever do it and he's like a dbd guy now um are you because i know there's a there's zeus with bloodborne you know who i'm talking about there uh no i don't know if he was i think it's the name is i think his name is hey it's zeus and i think he was the first person to know hit bloodborne um to uh, the first person to know hit dark souls um hang on because uh, that I I think it's Hob who did that that being said I'm curious about who this person is what was his name uh, or their name Otsdarva it's O-T-Z D-A-R-V-A Otsdarva I've never heard of this person yeah I oh I know his face oh is that him yeah I know him. Okay. <laughs> I say, yeah, I don't, I'm not even like looking at the same screen as you. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Okay. I know who he is. I think Hob was the first, but this guy, I've seen his face a lot. He's, he's a part of that community. Okay. And then Zeus, I think is a huge dead by daylight streamer. Well, was, I don't know. I haven't watched him in a while. But I think he was the first person to know hit Bloodborne. Maybe. So why did those two communities go hand in hand? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I remember watching a video about like the whole like Dark Souls no hit thing and remember seeing his face. And if I'm not mistaken, that video said something about he was the first one to to no hit something. It might it may have been like a different um uh, Dark Souls. It might have been like Dark Souls 2 or something, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. I don't know my own history, my own culture. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he's got a bunch of really great um, DVD videos, and yeah. he really like goes into some in-depth fucking detail. I'm trying. I'm really pissed because I thought I knew this guy's name, the Zeus guy, and I can't find him anymore. I actually really enjoyed his streams, and I don't even know what his name is. Uh, it's fine. Anyway, I'll check out uh, Mr. Darva stuff too because it, I know this is going to sound stupid, but it takes it takes a different kind of person to know hit a Dark Souls game. So I'm really wondering what kind of. Uh, 
I guess, input or strategies he has for Dead by a multiplayer game. Like they just think differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious because you can see that in Zeus's gameplay too. I don't know what his fucking name is. <laughs> Austin, why do you hate Dead by Daylight? I don't. I don't hate it. No. You refuse to play with us. You guys never asked me to play it with you, so I don't. I asked. No, you didn't. Wait. When? Do you not gaslight me? I will fucking read through this text thread right now. You did not ask me. No, we we totally set up a stream last week. Yeah, and then I couldn't. That's not my... That's... What? No, 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 no. You said you... No. I swear to God, I will post pictures in the Discord, you motherfucker. (laughs) You know what makes me the most mad about bailing last weekend? What? The people that we were supposed to hang out with that... Or that we were supposed to get dinner with that I bailed on the stream for ended up bailing on me. But by the time I knew that they weren't going to show up, it was already like 8 o'clock. And I was like... I got to get up for work in the morning. I'm not going to hop on now. Mm. So, but no, I, okay. I, I would, uh, I would love to play some dead by daylight with you guys. Okay. You, just, I, you don't ask if I, you asked, I, I had to go. You bitch. Listen to me. <laughs> I said, I, first off, I was wrong. I will say that. All right. But it was about the dead by daylight special. And I was like, you know, you want to be in on that. And you were like, no, <laughs> no, that's not, what, that's not how that conversation happened. You said you said I'll gladly let y'all have it. So I was just yeah, because I don't. I was under the near as much as the two of you do. How dare you? I have played twice more than me in six months. <laughs> more than me, <laughs> Jesus. Am I wrong? I don't think you're not. Well, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're just being a poop. No, I um yeah, I'll uh, I'll reinstall it. I'll play it with you. Right. So you so you do hate it because you uninstalled it. No, I uninstalled it because I'm a dumbass. And when I built my fucking PC, I only bought a 500 gigabyte SD card. So well, I hope it's not on an SD card because that'd be. Or, yeah, whatever. <laughs> what, whatever that works. I'm sorry. Yeah. SSD hard drive. Thank you. SSD. My brain's not working anymore. It shut off like 20 That's minutes okay. ago. A years ago? Yeah. Yeah, right. 20 years ago. I am no smarter than I was at four years old. Honestly, that's probably pretty no accurate. Comment. I, hey. At least I can read now, kind of. You should read me your pick of the week. <laughs> yes. Are we going there? Let's do it. Let's get our <laughs> picks right. of the week. We're here. Um, I'll start. Uh, I don't normally do this because I, I, I like to, you know, throw out other pieces of media, but, um, my pick of the week is Last Night in Soho. I really did like the hell out of that movie, and I think it deserves people's attention. So um, go and see that movie, please. Cool. I won't, but I'm glad you recommended it. <laughs> wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, my pick of the week is an album by a band called Vanna. They are, are a, or were, they're broken up now, uh, a Boston hardcore band. Um, and that album is all hell. It was the last full, uh, length release that they put out before they unfortunately broke up in like 2016. Uh, I don't think anything bad happened. I think, I know one of their guys was trying to make it as a tattoo artist. Uh, their vocalist is like a motivational speaker. He goes to schools and shit. Uh, I think they all just wanted other things to do that wasn't really music anymore because they've been doing it for so long. Um, but they are super good. I had the super dope pleasure of seeing them quite a few times. Um, 
I was thinking about it today when I put them down because I've been listening to that album a lot over the last couple of days. And yeah, I think I probably ended up seeing them like four times before they broke up. Um, fucking rad. I hope they do a reunion tour one day because I would pay an obscene amount of money for that. But super cool. Go check it out. <clears throat> Mine is uh, it's a singular song. It's from a producer group, um, Arts and Buggy. And it's a song called Wartime. It's pretty much them and Freddie Gibbs is the is the rapper on it. And it's just a bop, man. It's a great song. It gets me uh gets me pumped up in the gym. It's it's just a great time. So give it a check. Cool, cool, cool. Well, all right, boys. As always, you can find us on social media for all things culture pop hunting pixels and the culture pop family of content. <laughs> Culture Bop is available on Twitter at Culture underscore Bop, on Instagram at Culture underscore Bop, and on the YouTubes at Culture Bop. This podcast is no longer uh, on the Twitters, and uh, within the next week or so, we'll be fully decommissioned from Instagram as well. Uh, I've already set those um, steps into motion. Um but I'm available on Twitter at the Bebopman182, on Instagram at Bebopman182, and on Twitch at the underscore Bebopman. Uh, Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzyTV, on Instagram at OMDizzy, on Twitch at OMDizzy, and on the YouTubes at OMDizzy. Uh, Austin, they see me squirting. Uh, oh, I don't think that that's actually what it was. I'm forgot but <laughs> it's like squirt master squirt master like 3000 or some shit yeah <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about but he's i love a water it. gun oh lord anyway he's available on on all the social medias um he is on twitter at big papa plays he is on instagram at big papa stevens underscore or big papa plays he is on the twitch at big papa plays and he is uh on the tiktok at Big Papa Plays. And finally, if you're looking to support the podcast or any of the endeavors, oh, God, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were almost there. It's like you started to shut down mid-word. Kind of <laughs> the beers are starting to get to me, fellas. Uh, <laughs> anyway, if you're looking to support the podcast or any of the endeavors that we're undertaking as Culture Pop, then go to patreon.com slash culture pop and toss us a pledge. We're offering very cool perks, including three-day early access to this and our uh, second podcast, Culture Bob Selects. Um, we're, you know, getting, vi- oh, God, early access to videos as well. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Just uh, go over there and uh, and to help us out. And once we, once we start hitting our goals, uh, we can start working on bringing you this glorious content um mm, 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 mm. i had a stroke more often <laughs> and uh and and better um stuff and things i'm very tired <sighs> so that's it that is it for us that is it for mr dylan that is it for mr austin and that is it for me, whatever the fuck my name is from Taylor. Jizzing uh, in my pants or something. It was like McBustin' a nut or some shit. McBustin' a fucking nut. All right.
Tell uh, tell your wife and her work friends that they are not allowed to do anything anymore. <laughs> that, uh, well, I don't think they have to tell them that. They listen to this. So, yeah. Why, though? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Is this like, you know how you go into a hair salon and they got music playing? Is this Did they just play this for everyone to listen to? <laughs> oh, God, I hope they awesome. don't. <laughs> No, fucking. There's some serious red flags in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure right. if the salon played us like over over their fucking speakers, um, I'm pretty sure we would be canceled in some way, shape, or form. Or I, we probably wouldn't That's be allowed in the fault. salon. I don't go there. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> well, don't make them feel bad. No, I mean they're all great. Yeah, but you're on. You have. It's unfortunate that you have to walk in there. Look, okay, there, there. The reason why is nine times nine. There, there, there's backtracking. Y- yeah, nine times out of ten, when I fucking go there, I just got off work. I look like shit. It's a very high class salon. I'm covered in machine oil and grease, and I just feel uncomfortable. Dude, you're walking in like a fucking man. It is true. Just own it. That is true. You're covered in some grease and shit. You got like some oil on your brow. Yeah. Just like put it like a little rag in your back pocket and walk in there and call them all, you know, whatever, <coughs> birds or something. Yeah, know, birds, because in England, they're not yeah. called bitches. <laughs> yeah, That's no. True. That's true. And it's a fancy salon. You can't walk in there calling them bitches. That's not okay. I mean. I mean, let, let's be real. You can. Now, if you walk in there and they call you Sir Squirts McNugget or something, then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm sure somebody's probably walked in there and uh, and and called somebody a bitch. I, I remember Madison telling me a couple months ago she had a. Uh oh. I was like, that's weird. I mean, if that's the case, isn't that okay? Like she knows what she is. I mean, I, I start getting into yes. some very big trouble, so I'm gonna go ahead and end this conversation. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Uh, Bye, everybody. (laughs) 